State League Radio Network. Have you guys, everyone on the show with us today. We have a very special guest on the show with us today. We have the minor league strength and conditioning coordinator for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's been doing it since 2016 with the Rays. We have Patrick Trainer. Patrick, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you on, and it's uh, great to talk to you today. Thanks. Glad to uh, appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Excited to get the interview and uh, get to little, learn a little bit more about what you do and that will lead me into my first question here today. So, as I just stated, you are the minor league strength and conditioning coordinator for the Rays, but not a lot of my listeners, and even for me, I don't know a ton about what you do on a day-to-day basis. You know, describe a bit about what your job, you know, what you actually do on the job on a day-to-day basis for the Tampa Bay Rays as a strength and conditioning coordinator. Yeah, so uh, my position itself essentially oversees the physical preparation um, of our players. Uh, Basically, you know, to keep it simple, you know, we try to get guys stronger, faster, keep them healthy. You know, those are some of the, the, you know, key things that our program is based around, uh, based over. Um, My position as the coordinator, I oversee um, our staff of seven coaches that oversee each of our affiliates. So as a coordinator, I essentially oversee like the overall umbrella of our program, um, and I help the staff members that we have at each affiliate in a in a normal season. I help them, you know, guide the day to day workouts of of our players. So um, since I've been in the coordinator role, it's, there's not a ton of hands on, uh, you know, coaching with individual players except for you know a lot of our off season programs and. And maybe during spring, since I don't have an affiliate that I oversee directly, um, so the the role is more of you know just making sure that my staff is you know outfitted with the, the best possible resource to provide good programs for our players. Definitely, for sure. Um, and on those programs, is there a difference at all in the programs? You know, for the players and such, it, you know, maybe for a pitcher to compare to maybe a positional player, is there a difference in what the, each of the actual, what your staff actually has for programs and such? Yeah, I think to start, you know, kind of, you know, one of our, our missions and things that we really try to accomplish as a department is uh, to provide individual programs based on um, some performance and mobility assessments that we get on each player. So, um, you know, as, there are definitely, you know, position-specific workouts, but the start of it is, like, just looking at the individual, getting a needs analysis on that individual, you know, from, again, like I said, our performance and mobility assessments, from, you know, talking to our uh, skill acquisition coaches and field staff to see if there's specific qualities that, you know, a given player, mm-hmm. you know, may have or lack, um, and, and kind of going from there. You know, with uh, with our pitchers, obviously, they definitely have some different needs than a position player. Um, you know, we work hand-in-hand with our medical staff on, you know, making sure, you know, from the, from an arm care perspective and, and health there, but um, just some of our mobility programs and conditioning um, programs will differ a little bit there. And, and again, it depends on that, that individual's role as a pitcher, you know, whether they're a starter or a reliever or, you know, they need to be prepared to throw 
one inning or they needed to had to throw you know three plus so mm-hmm. a lot of those things kind of come into uh come into play when we're putting together the programs for our position players the same thing you know um you know we have some bigger body you know corner infielder corner outfielder guys who have some specific qualities that they need um and then the same thing our middle infielders and you know center fielders have different you know needs uh from yeah. a speed and agility standpoint um catchers you know need a ton of mobility so uh, there are definitely a lot of like little subtle differences in, in each of the programs, but the overall goal of those programs is to make sure that you know players are fast and strong and healthy and you know resilient on a day to day basis. Definitely for sure. Um, and then going into here to my next question, so obviously, especially in the in the majors, but even more so in the minor leagues, there is so many new players coming through your guys's organization, whether it be being through the draft or coming from another MLB organization, is there adjustment at all for those players, you know, getting used to the the way things are run and the way the programs are in the Rays organization? And if so, how do you guys get them used to transitioning into the program and into your guys, the way you guys do things in the Rays? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, again, there's kind of a few parts to that. So I'll start with, you know, when we, when we bring new players in from our draft process, you know, um, if players are coming from high school or junior college or if they're coming from, you know, maybe a large university, those guys all have different training histories. Typically guys that come from the high school and, you know, junior college program may have been exposed to some type of, you know, strength conditioning program, but, you know, not everybody uh, has had that benefit or luxury. So, um, for those guys, it's more of just saying, like, establishing routines. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that we try to accomplish. And, um, you know, as your first or second year in professional baseball, these are things that we're looking to accomplish. And then, again, you know, what that individual's needs are. You know, if they have mobility restrictions or, um, you know, maybe need to put on some weight. Again, that goes back to the needs assessment that we pull from our, our screenings and from information from the, you know, the field staff and scouts even. Um so, so, yeah, so those guys are very different. Then we have some guys that come in from these bigger college programs who have maybe, you know, had a year to three years experience of, like, true strength conditioning programs. And, and those guys are typically fairly easy to, to work with because they've, they've had a lot of exposure, you know, at, at the collegiate setting. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they kind of transition into our program maybe at a different standpoint. You know, they're a little bit more advanced. So some of the things that we – you know, throw at them, even as like a first or second year guy, maybe different than that kid coming out of high school. So, um, you know, start there, like that's our essentially onboarding process with the drafts again. Um, you know, when we, when we get players, you know, acquired from, you know, either trades or free agency, um, again, it, we look at that guy as an individual, you know, based off of their needs, uh, things that they've done in the past and that, you know, some of their past experiences or maybe something that they really like to do. Um, and then combine that with, again, the information that we get from our field staff and, mm. and scouting department on, you know, what attributes that they may need to work on or, or you know, what are their strengths that we, we need to continue to make sure we, you know, make sure that this guy stays fast and doesn't, you know, gain weight and slow down or vice versa. You know, this guy may need to put on a little bit of weight, you know, or, you know, increases uh, power producing capabilities. So um, for those guys, it's more of, again, you know, individual conversations, you know, try to get them involved in our, you know, in our group setting as much as possible. And I think, you know, having an established culture helps because when guys come over and they see what everybody else is already doing, it just makes the buy-in that much easier. You know, they see that, 
you know, both older and younger players are, you know, you know, really establishing their, their workout and conditioning routines and mobility routines. And, um, it really helps, you know, versus like, if you didn't have that in place, you know, maybe you need to do a little bit more leg work on, um, you know, getting buy-in from that individual, but having a full culture already built with those things, it just makes that transition that much easier. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. You know, trying to, you know, make, you know, hone on those certain things, as you said. And yeah, definitely for sure. Um, going into my, my next question here, you, you've been in the organization since 2016, which is, is pretty impressive four years already with the club, with the Rays organization. And you get to see guys who are now on the major league team rise up the minor leagues. Has How has their programs changed as they get higher up in the minor leagues? And that could even be now. How do, you know, as the guys progress, how do the programs change? Do they get a bit more difficult as they, you know, go, as they go up through the minor leagues? And how is a major leagues program, major leaguers program different compared to a program with the minor league players? Yeah, so I, going back to that individual, you know, I, I don't want to keep harping on that, but, you know, the same thing. It, it depends mm-hmm. on where that player was, you know, coming in. Um, but we definitely tend to, you know, the programs tend to transition as that player develops more. So, you know, early on in the career, it, you know, we do try to focus truly on developing their physical attributes as much as possible and as fast as possible. That way, um, you know, as they climb up the ladder, you know, or, or ranks within the, our minor league system, they can put more focus into their skill development. And, you know, the I don't like to use the word maintenance, but the, the you know slice of the pie of strength conditioning work doesn't have to be as much as long as that player is doing the right things yep. in their off season. So typically, if we have a you know a young guy come over, either from our Latin American programs or from a high school program, typically that first year or two, you know we we are pretty aggressive with things that we do both with running and in the weight room to try to again get them to a little bit more mature version of themselves. Um, that way, you know, if if uh, you know if a player lacks strength, and you know that lack of strength is affecting his you know ability to impact the baseball, mm-hmm. you know we want to attack that as fast as possible. That way, you know by the time he's in you know even in Bowling Green, Low A or High A, you know here in the Florida State League, you know that that uh, that hole in their program isn't there anymore, and they, they're able to again put more work into their skill. Um, mm-hmm. As they move up the ranks in the, in the minor league system, again, it, a lot a lot of it still is focused on development, but it starts to transition more into, you know, how can we help that guy perform every night at 7 o'clock, you know, especially as we get upwards of, like, the double-A and triple-A levels where they're, you know, they're a step away from helping out our major league team. So we need to make sure that those guys, you know, are ready every day, you know, to play, play the game at 7 o'clock. So whether that be extra mobility work, certain lifting programs, conditioning programs, um, that keep them physically prepared to, uh, you know, stay healthy, but also be able to perform. You know, we won't crush a guy, you know, at, at two o'clock in the afternoon, and then he's got to go play a game that night. Definitely. Um, you know, but um, and, and again, it's just it's purely individual. If, a, if an older player goes home and has a poor off season and doesn't do a whole lot, you know, they come back in like maybe those first few weeks, the months, like we have to push them a little bit more, you know, to get back to their, you know, the, the old better version of themselves. Um, but for the most part, you know, guys come in ready to go and it's more of just fine tuning, you know, the little things that they need based off of our, you know, our, our intake screenings, you know, from, 
you know, mobility and performance side of things and where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then once they get to the major league level, it's essentially, you know, it's about winning baseball games and performance and the same thing. Like it's truly individual. Like what can we do to help you on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis to be able to stay healthy and, and continue to perform. Um, there's a lot more freedom as obviously as they move up and, you know, guys learn a lot more, you know, like guys as they move up the ranks, you know, sometimes they make a little bit more money and then they're able to, um, you know, hire a, a trainer or a strength coach in the off season and they come in, you know, that spring, they've learned a few things, um, you know, maybe different. And then, you know, we're able to, they're able to have like a little bit more feedback in the, their, their own program, a little more autonomy and, you know, dictate some things that they really like, or maybe there are some things that, you know, that they've did in the past that we would do that they really like that they still like to incorporate. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's, there definitely is some, some differences, but it's not so much of the actual, you know, what a lift looks like or what a conditioning looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, because the foundation of those programs are going to be the same for the most part for, for any baseball player. It's just how we handle that individual and, you know, what he needs on a daily basis to you know to be ready to play the game definitely for sure um and then going into my next question here so obviously spring training and during the season are you hoping like during obviously during the spring you're you know the guys are playing exhibition games and they're in the season it counts for real do you is there a difference in i'm trying to think of the right wording for this um you know during the season do you hope that all the work that they do kind of translates more quickly during the season than it does during the spring. Obviously during the spring they have, you know, more weeks and they're more in a training kind of setting. And, you know, obviously the games aren't, you know, don't actually count. Uh, Are you hoping that during the spring, maybe they could take the process a bit slower compared to maybe the season you're hoping that, you know, maybe it's a little bit more quicker. Is is that one of, you know, is that a big thing? Yeah, definitely. I I think the one thing that a lot of, a lot of people don't see with with minor league, even though that's considered like a preseason, is that um, you know we hope that all of the players are, are truly physically prepared to to you know to play mm-hmm. when they show up. You know they we hope they had a really good off season because the amount of baseball skill work, the technical and tactical work, like all the on field stuff, it's the volume of it is way more than we do during any time of the season, even in even in season when they're playing games. Um, so the, the strength conditioning work at that point in time during spring is is typically based around um, running and just making sure that their legs are in really good shape. The lifting, you know, we, we are still trying to make some gains, but the volumes of those those workouts aren't as much because, you know, the days can get pretty long. You know, players show up at, you know, 7 or 8 o'clock and, you know, aren't getting home until 5 o'clock, you know, on, on some of the longer days with games. So, um, we don't try to, I think the work that we typically do during spring is more of to, you know, just kind of um, collaborate with all of what they're doing on the field. Mm-hmm. So if they had like a really heavy day of, you know, let's just say like infield, outfield work, um, you know, and then they did some base running and then they play a, a three hour game, um, you know, we may not do as much with that guy, you know, on that day during spring, um, you know, and then going into in season, the, the amount of, I don't want to say practice, but the amount of skill work is compared to what happens in spring. It kind of it drops down a little bit. The days aren't, I mean, they're still longer days, but you have a little bit more, you can get back on a little bit more of a normal routine mm-hmm. of, you know, incorporating a mix of, you know, strength conditioning activities with, with skill work. Um, 
so yeah, the, the the big things that we we try to accomplish in spring is just making sure you know the the running portion is there because especially with position players, you know, hamstring injuries are, are pretty much the um, the biggest injury that can affect position players. Yeah. So anything that we can do to try to make sure that guys' legs are in a good position, you know, one to get through spring and then to have a really good start to the season and stay healthy. Um, so we have we work on acceleration, like short accelerations, you know, sprints of ten to thirty yards, and then we do some um, maximum acceleration work where you know we we have a build up of thirty yards and we tell a guy to run as fast as he can, you know, over the course of like ten to fifteen yards. And you know, sometimes on the base running drills and infield drills and things like that, even outfield drills, guys may never hit those top speeds, but we want to make sure they're physically prepared to hit those speeds in games during both spring and in season. So mm-hmm. um, those are two running things that we kind of program in. And then you know, the lifting is a combination. Again, it, it depends on the individual. Maybe some guy needs a little bit more power, so we do you know more explosive type work in the weight room whether it's jumps you know moving weight really fast or or maybe there's a player that you know is lacking you know overall strength and um you know they just need to do more traditional you know strength work you know things that are like heavier weight lower reps things along those lines mm-hmm. yeah definitely for sure and then we'll, we'll get into my my last question here for you today patrick obviously COVID 19 has had an effect not only on baseball but on the world, you know, on the world itself. I mean, it's it's you know, it's caused a lot of a lot of you know, caused a lot of uh, things with you know people dying every day. It feels like, and it's terrible what's co- what has happened with COVID nineteen. But uh, how has COVID nineteen affected how you know you as a strength and conditioning coordinator? How's that affected you with you know, kind of coming in contact with your staff and? you know, keeping in touch, making sure the minor league guys are still doing their programs and such. And what ways have you been able to, you know, keep in touch with your staff during this crazy time? Yeah, I think so. You know, kind of starting off, it was new for everybody and, and trying to navigate our way through, you know, on on keeping one players active and engaged. Um, but some of the other things were the challenges we had where a lot of guys didn't even have access to facilities. So, um, me and my staff would have, you know, we would have Zoom or Microsoft team meetings, you know, once a week to, to communicate with each other and stay in touch just to stay sharp because there were so many uncertainties. We didn't know when we were going to return. You know, when we were told mm-hmm. in March, it was like, all right, we'll see you in like two weeks. And then, you know, another month gets added on to that. So, you know, early on, it was more of like, just try to stay sharp. But then we got to a point where, um, you know, as a staff, one, we're like, okay, we need to find ways to, to reach and communicate with our players regularly to make sure that even players that had limited access to facilities, we could provide them with programs that they can do, um, you know, without any equipment. So, uh, you know, me and my staff and our major league staff, you know, we use um, a, a digital uh, platform. It's a, called Team Builder. It's an app that all of our players have, and we would, you know, manually plug in workouts for those guys based off of feedback that they would tell us. So we would reach out to all the players and say like, Hey, what type of facilities do you have access to? You know, some guys had full access. Some guys were like, I'm in my apartment. I have nothing, you know? So we would, we would give workouts to all those guys, you know, based off of, um, you know, what they, what they had access to digitally. Um, our, our creative services department, which does a lot of like our, 
you know, marketing and like the hype videos and things yep. like that. We actually, our, our major league assistant um, shot a couple of videos, you know, that we used in house. Like he would, you know, leave like a dynamic warm up and do some speed work or mm-hmm. he'd go through, you know, a, a garage lifting routine and, and we would give that, you know, access to all of our players, you know, Hey, like these are some things that you can do. Even our staff members, you know, even the, the coaching staff and the front office and all those folks, like they can hop on and see these videos and say, Oh, like this is something that I can do to stay physically active. So that was a big part of it early on. And, um, you know, as, as uh, unfortunately the minor league season got canceled. So we, you know, you have to go back to the drawing board to say like, all right, what's our plan moving forward? You know, how do we want to keep players engaged? So, you know, that's even leads us to today. Currently we're still plugging in workouts on the team builder. The majority of players have gained, you know, more access to traditional facilities that they would use in the off season. Um, and essentially, you know, we're, we're kind of starting our off-season program for next spring right now. You know, we have an extra few months to take advantage of it and, um, you know, just preaching the message to guys, like, make sure you're, you're working on the things that you need to work on. You have two extra months. If it was mobility, if it was strength, if it was speed, you know, these are things that we can be doing. If it was agility, these are things that mm-hmm. we can be doing to address those needs right now. That way, you know, Hopefully we all show up as a better version of ourselves, you know, in the, in the 2021 season, you know, spring mm-hmm. training. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. I mean, it just to think all the minor league guys, I mean, for some of those guys, they haven't had maybe real live game action since September of last year for at least, you know, minor leagues, at least a lot of the minor league guys. So be interesting to see how how uh how they uh progress and develop and such and sounds like you guys are doing a great job with all the you know using your resources and being able to you know use what you guys have had you know throughout these last couple of months and being able to help out the guys and continue their program i think that's really awesome and actually you know kind of talking about this i I do have one final question so currently right now you are at charlotte sports park or you're uh you're currently at the training complex there how has that been like, you know, being around and, you know, working with the taxi squad guys and what, what's that situation been like, you know, what, what's that, you know, whole, I, I get, I'm trying to think of the right word. What, what's that whole thing been like so far down in, you know, with COVID and with all the protocols, what, what has that been like, you know, trying to be able to interact with the players and such? Yeah. So the, the first couple of days was, it was, you know, new for everybody. We had, you know, communication with all of our staff and with MLB on, you know, the, the protocols that major league baseball and the players union put together of, you know, just to keep players and their families and everyone involved in this process safe. And, uh, the first couple of days were kind of weird. You know, it's, everybody's a little socially awkward because, you know, for the most part, people have been kind of in their own little bubble for the last, you know, three or four months. Mm-hmm. And, we're finally starting to get back to like, you know, again, baseball. So it's like trying to navigate through, um, you know, the day to day processes that typically would happen and, um, you know, try to make it as normal as possible. So, you know, just some of the things that we have to do, you know, like wearing masks and gloves and washing our hands and all these things. And, uh, you know, limiting the number of people that are in like certain areas at a given time. Um, the first couple of days were tough, but now to the point where it's seemed to become the, the new normal, you know, for everybody. And, and we got some experience under us for the first couple of days and everybody is getting, you know, their routines down. Um, it's been good. It's been really, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's been hot down here in Florida, but it's, it's been really great to, you know, finally, uh, be outside, be active, you know, um, kind of, again, get baseball back to, you know, back to the, back to TV. Hopefully we can get some 
fans at some point, but, um, you know, and then just down here with the taxi squad guys, it's more of just trying to keep these guys ready and physically prepared for when or if, you know, their name gets called to, to go up and play at Tropicana Field or, or wherever they'll be. So um, it's been a, definitely a, an interesting and new experience, I'll say, for the yep. most part for, for myself and everybody. Um, but it's, it's, been, it's been good. It's been good to get back. That's awesome. That's great to hear. And, and uh, yeah, I'm excited too, man. Baseball's back. We're, I'm ready for it. It's been, it's been a, a long, long time coming, so I'm ready for it. Um, I'm happy it's back. Happy. I'm actually going to be, I got the cardboard cutout. I'm going to be in the trop. So that's going to be exciting to see nice. where I'm at. Nice. So, but, uh, no, I'm just happy baseball is back. But, uh, Patrick, again, thanks so much for jumping on, man. I really learned a lot about, you know, what you do for on the job and, and really what a strength and conditioning coordinator does, you know, because I, I before this, I, I'll tell you what, I was trying to, you know, look up some stuff about what you guys do. And it was, it was really hard to look up some stuff. So this really, it was awesome to get to kind of, you know, pull back the curtain and really get to learn more about your job and what you do on a day-to-day basis and how, you know, how much you actually put it. It's really pretty impressive and uh, doing a great job and keep doing what you're doing, man. And uh, hopefully good luck to your guys and the, in the raise and such and the organization. Hopefully you guys have a great year this year. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was good talking. Oh, it was great talking, Patrick. And you're welcome back on anytime. Awesome. Have a good day. Alrighty guys, that is pretty much it. Thanks so much to Patrick Trainer for jumping on the show with us today. Um, really cool stuff. Really nice guy to talk to. Um, it, really, I tell you what, man, I, I, it was really tough to come up with questions, but Patrick answered all of them, and I really learned a lot about you know what a strength and conditioning coach does. I'll have to listen back to it and you know really you know get to learn more even because I probably missed some things in the interview. But uh, it was really talking to you, Patrick. Really, really cool to be able to get to really know what you do on a day-to-day basis awesome awesome stuff um that's pretty much it for this episode guys yeah that's pretty much it got a few other interviews scheduled here coming up i got trey cobb coming on the show i got Derek die coming on the show i got a lot of people coming on the show let me look real quick who else i'm getting on the show a lot of people jumping on here in the next couple of days i'm very excited to get a lot of them on i'm gonna have who else am i gonna get on um Gonna have a lot of people on, man. That's all I'll say. Uh, we'll do. We'll bring back the. By the way, guys, the Twitch show will be coming back. That's yes, that's right. We will be bringing back the Twitch show. Um, it, it, it it's currently it's been on kind of a bit of a hiatus. I've been trying to find some co-host. I think I have some in the works right now. It's going to be interesting. We'll see what happens, and uh, I'm excited though for it. It should be awesome. And one of them is really really neat. He is a player with the Cardinals organization. I will not say anything further, but I'm very excited to be able to get to work with him and hopefully be able to get to talk to him more. But uh, anyways, guys, that's pretty much it. Thanks again for Patrick coming on. Thanks to our sponsors for sponsoring this episode and all of our episodes. Thanks to Pick Drafts, Seat Bum. Thanks to Officials Depot and Germ Buffers for sponsoring all of our episodes. And also thanks to Grayson Rogers and Sam Tenez for allowing us to use your music for all of our intros Again, thanks for everyone listening. Peace out, guys. See you in our next podcast episode. Peace.